Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kredizia, The Well, a monthly podcast series about the lives of Ukrainians and their activities around the world. Today is Thursday, May 31st, 2018. Our guest for this episode is John Stetch, who is an award-winning pianist and a Ukrainian-Canadian. John, welcome to Krenitsia. How are you today? Pretty good, Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on the show today. Sure. So, John, I, I first became familiar with you, oh, in, in the early part of uh, the 2000s, when I came across your album, Ukrainianism. And it was just so different than anything else I had heard before. I became fascinated with it. And over the years, I've continued to play it constantly. And uh -huh. also uh, played Canadian Blue as well. And, you know, I recently attended a concert of yours at the Ukrainian Institute in New York City. And uh -huh. so I wanted to get the opportunity actually to chat with you a bit, not only about your musical career, but also about your personal background, because I understand that uh, your grandmother was Savela Stachishin, who produced probably the first Ukrainian-Canadian cookbook in North America. Is that true? Yes, the definitive one. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your Ukrainian ancestry, both, uh, well, I'm assuming it's only on your father's side, but I might be wrong. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, actually, both of my grandparents, or both sets of grandparents, came from Ukraine. And, uh, but I'm third generation and grew up in Edmonton. And when I became aware of uh, Savalia's and Julian's legacy, that's my uh, father's parents, uh, then I, the, the biggest claim to fame for them was the, the cookbook for Savalia, my grandmother, and my grandfather, Julian, he uh, was a rector of the Ukrainian Institute, uh, in the Mohela Institute in Saskatoon, as well as a, a prominent lawyer and did a lot for the Ukrainian community. And then he wrote the, uh, actually it was kind of the definitive Ukrainian grammar book. And even when I took Ukrainian, I think it was Ukrainian 101 in university, they were still using that textbook. Oh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it seems like your grandfather in particular played, uh, well, your grandmother as well, but from what I've read, your grandfather played an active role in the Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, in addition to his uh, duties as rector of the Mohila Academy in Saskatoon, was actively involved in the community early on. I guess we would, we would call that the pioneering period of Ukrainians in Canada. Yes, definitely. Yeah, they arrived at around uh, 1910 or so. And then uh, they met, uh, Savalia and Julian met because of, of the institute there in Saskatoon. And from my research, it looks like uh, Savalia came from the Lviv region of Ukraine, and uh, Julian came from the uh, Tenopil region of Ukraine. Is that correct? I'd have to check that. I used to know more about that, but <laughs> my sister knows uh, a lot more. So your sister is the genealogist in the family? Yes, and my aunt Zenya, my, my dad's uh, sister. 
she knows more than anyone. <laughs> okay, so how did your family get from Saskatchewan to Edmonton? Because it looks like early on, at least your paternal grandparents were living in the uh, Saskatchewan area. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was uh, my father got accepted to dentistry at U of A in Edmonton, and then he just uh, stayed. And so, in terms of turning around to your musical career, I understand that uh, it began when you were around nine years old, when your dad gave you a clarinet to learn. Yes. Well, I, I showed no interest in piano as a very young person, so I took a break from music for a few years, from <laughs> when I was, I guess, seven or eight. But then at about nine, uh, he noticed that I was listening to his jazz records, especially Benny Goodman and Artie Shaw, and uh, there was one other guy, and I and I really loved the sound of that. So he took out the clarinet from the basement and showed me the fingering and, and how to play it. And then eventually, I, I took lessons later that year, and I got really into clarinet, and then got a saxophone for my, I think it was my twelfth birthday, and then I, I really loved that. And those were my main things for many many years until. Uh, piano gradually took over in my later teens just because it was always something that I wanted to uh, fool around on and, and kind of plunk up melodies and chords using my basic knowledge of theory. But I, at about, I don't know, 18, 19, then I just pretty much dropped the saxophone and clarinet, except for when I played in Dumka, the uh, Ukrainian wedding band and ensemble. Uh, th- then I would, of course, bring the clarinet out and, and saxophone. <laughs> Right. And so how did you graduate from playing uh, Ukrainian wedding music to what you do today, which is uh, most of what I've heard is actually jazz piano. But I'm, I understand your repertoire goes from, from Mozart through Ukrainian music to TV themes as well. Yes. Well, I guess it, uh, it all started with those basic lessons and then having some musical experience in uh, the school and especially the Ukrainian community, there was always hearing Ukrainian folk songs. And at Mohela Summer School, for example, we would have to play bandura, a little bit of cymbala, sing a lot of songs, dance to the music, uh, attend weddings, sing in the church choir. So then I was exposed to a lot of music, and then Dumka was my first performing experience. So I was pretty nervous, and I had to play a lot of similar Ukrainian melodies that I was almost confusing because some of them sounded similar, but I had to, re- to remember them all and play by memory. And then, uh, you know, one step leads to another, and then eventually I was at U of A in Edmonton on classical saxophone for one year, just, to, uh, just because I wasn't ready to really enter on piano yet. And then piano took over, and then university is really where I did most of my learning and studying with a lot of great teachers including uh, Wayne Festcheck and Charlie Austin in Edmonton, uh, Tommy Banks and P.J. Perry. They, they gave me some breaks early on also. And then uh, great people in Toronto, Frank Falco, Mark Eisenman, and then in Montreal, Fred Hanke, Jan Yarchik, and then going to New York. And, and really in New York, it was mostly learning from my friends and just hearing a lot of great players and then always... Uh, practicing things that they were doing and material that I was hearing. And eventually I would bring back the Ukrainian material, but that wasn't until much later, and I didn't think that could be done. I I thought that the Ukrainian material wouldn't really work in a jazz context. 
But I tried one piece, which was Carpathian Blues. It was a very simple rendition of the Arkan that I danced as a youngster. And that seemed easy enough. And I noticed how much, uh, how much people liked it. And then I had a Troista mel- uh, medley where I was playing Sepilka, and I would actually get it from the piano on my jazz gigs, jazz club gigs, and I would take the Sepilka and play this Troista melody, and, and I noticed how much people loved it. So then I went back and did some serious composition. Uh, that's when I came up with Zababa and Kolomika Fantasy, the, the two kind of flagship pieces for the what would become the Ukrainianism album. Very interesting. And so, do you do that album, the uh, songs from that album today? I do. I, I would need to review a few of them, and I'm looking forward to knowing them better and notating them out on paper, because some of them, uh, actually only Zababa is actually the, the one that's written out, and it's about 20 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of them, you're kind of just uh, improvising. Uh, there, I would say about half of those are the same every time with a, with a maybe a bit of improv in it and then about half of those pieces from that album are more improvised like the famine piece 100% improvised uh, except that I did have an idea that I was going to use a Ukrainian I think it was Zelene Ajeta Zelene and I, was, I, I remembered wanting to insert that theme somehow so I did that uh, but there were, yeah, it's kind of a, a mix of improv and composition. And that album came out in 2002, correct? Uh, that sounds about right. Uh, Ukrainianism, though, I think was um, maybe even earlier. Yeah, no, but, but that makes sense. There was an album called Standards that uh, was the same recording session, if you can believe it. I wanted, because I really liked this hall that I was in. And it was a church, no, not a church, sorry, it was a high school, and the auditorium was pentagonal-shaped. I'd never been in a pentagonal room before, and uh, I borrowed a Steinway piano from the Manhattan Steinway Company, and they brought that in, and I, I liked the arrangement so much that I put some extra material down, and that became the standards album. So you were going in two different directions at the same time. But I had the Ukrainian material uh, ready and memorized. Now, how did you get from Edmonton to New York City? Well, I, uh, I got accepted into McGill University, so that was the first step, and that was a, a, a great place for jazz, especially back in the late 80s. There were lots of clubs, and McGill is right downtown, so it's very exciting. I felt like maybe there was still more. I had bigger dreams and hopes, so then I was able to get a Canada Council grant to let me go to New York City and study with different people. And I did that and ended up staying. I ended up uh, getting into the Rufus Reed Band, which was one of my main gigs for a long time. And, and that was great. And John, when, when did you come to New York City? It was in 1992, in the fall. And I lived with uh, Seamus Blake, who's a famous saxophone player now and the winner of the Thelonious Monk sax competition, which is huge. Um, so we met, and that was, he brought all his Berkeley friends over, and that was a really great education for me. Uh, he'd, he'd bring lots of famous people over. <laughs> and I was actually kind of overwhelmed. 
big from it, and I I was a bit stressed from it because it, it was such a sudden leap of expectations and higher standards. But then it, it helped me improve, and after a, f- a bunch of years, I I got married uh, and I moved upstate with my former wife, and we lived in Ithaca for about ten years, which is a whole other scene, but it's still accessible to New York. So, and what were you doing up at uh, Ithaca? Were you teaching? I was teaching uh, a bit privately and some at Cornell and also Ithaca College and then just going on tour and, and working wherever I could. So I'm curious about uh, one of the awards uh, that you have, which is called the Being a Steinway Artist. How did that come about? Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, the Ukrainianism album is the one that did that because my manager and agent at that time, she took me, she made a meeting with Peter Goodrich at Steinway. And we went down and she gave the album Ukrainianism to them. And they must have listened to it and reviewed it. And they thought that I was at the level to be considered for uh, being a Steinway artist. And I think, I think it is actually still one of my best albums uh, and probably the most uh, personal and original out of all my albums. So these days, you have a group called Vulnerable? I do, and you said that very well, Michael. <laughs> I, was, I tried to get the pronunciation correct. Yeah. And uh, are you splitting your time between Vancouver and New York City at this time? Yes, uh, somewhat. And I just went to New York as, as uh, when I met you last month, and we played at Smalls, which is one of the great jazz clubs of the world, as well as a couple other places nearby. And in fact, I just had another solo concert a couple weeks ago uh, in the Jazz Gallery. So, yeah, mostly based in Vancouver, though. And are you playing in jazz clubs up there? Yes, there's uh, a few clubs here, and also uh, some crossover concert series that are kind of half classical, half jazz, and there's all, there's all kinds of venues actually. It's a pretty strong artistic scene here. Uh, not necessarily in jazz, but just in um, music in general, and especially classical. I'd like to find out a little bit about what the future holds for John Stetch. Well, I'm, uh, I would love to do an album of all classical material. I mean, I, I did one, but that was more arrangements of famous classical themes, but I wouldn't mind doing one that's just kind of pure and note for note, which is it's kind of uh, hard for me because I'm always tempted to want to change some things <laughs> and improvise. Uh, I'd also like to compose more for, let's say, orchestra, chamber music, and pr- I'll probably have to do a lot of that this year at UBC because I'm in the master's program, and that'll be the next step there for sure. I'm working on a, a violin duo piece that should be completed soon. And I'm looking forward to playing with Vulnerable more. We have a tour coming up in November and getting some, I'm looking forward to getting some music notated instead of just being all in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope to see you again in New York City at some point. Thanks, Michael. Well, thanks so much, John. I greatly appreciate you coming on the show today and, and chatting with us a bit about your uh, 
ancestral background and um, your musical career. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. This is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kuninitsia, The Well, a monthly podcast series on the lives of Ukrainians and their activities around the world. And until next time, that's all for now.